Y'all was jamming? <laughs> How's everybody doing today? You guys doing all right? All right. About 20 of y'all doing all right? Everybody's doing good? Yes. Come on, y'all. You make some noise for Jesus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. So I want to thank you guys for... Um, coming out on today. It's an honor, um, always an honor uh, to share the word of God with you. Um, I was out on last week, but um, I want to give a shout out to my father-in-law, Dad Herbert, for doing a phenomenal job on last Sunday. Come on, clap your hands. How many of y'all enjoyed the word last week? Amen. So he did a phenomenal job. Um, he actually brought us in to David now. Um, on Wednesday night, we discussed the David and Goliath story. Most of y'all are familiar with that story, um, but we pulled a lot of stuff out of that. Um, don't have time to go there today, but uh, we're now at 1 Samuel, the 18th chapter. <laughs> I like that. 1 Samuel, the 18th chapter. Uh, when you get there, say amen. Y'all know I don't waste no time. I go right to the word. Uh, 1 Samuel, the 18th chapter. Um, I guess you guys know the title of the message is Where's the Lie? Look at your neighbor and say, Where's the lie? Where's the lie? Where's the lie? Where's the lie? All right. You guys ready? Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Doing the King James Version, but uh, it's all good. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm going to read from, from my, my book here. It says, when David had finished speaking with Saul, Jonathan was bound to David in close friendship. And he loved him as much as he loved himself. Saul kept David with him from that day on and did not let him return to his father's house. Some of y'all in trouble because y'all ain't bring y'all Bible. I see y'all like. All right. There we go. All right. I like this. Y'all pulling out the phones now. <laughs> All right. One thing that I want to bring to your attention here is that we always deal with the conflict of David and Saul. But there's also conflict between Saul and Jonathan. So you actually have two conflicts going on here. All right. I want you to look at it from this perspective for just a couple minutes. You with me? I want you to look at it from this perspective for just a couple minutes. I'm going to just talk and we'll, we'll, we'll get to the word. Uh, Saul at this point is nothing else but a farmer. Not at this point, but prior. Overnight, he becomes king of all of Israel. He has a son that witnesses this anointing on him. He has this son that recognizes that the favor of God is on him, but there's a disappointment in the son because the son isn't seeing his father operate in the fullness of his ability. Mm. So there's a situation about four chapters prior where the Ammonites come up against Israel. And when the Ammonites come up against Israel, the Bible says that Saul hides under a mulberry tree. Not only does he hide under a mulberry tree, but he has one of the priests who was from the seed of Eli. And y'all remember what the prophecy was concerning the children of Eli. So he has that. And then he has 600 men around him who also are in retreat. So you have a worthless priest. You have a worthless king and you have worthless people. And your son is watching this. So there's a disappointment in Jonathan that he's looking at his father who God has anointed and his dad isn't operating in the fullness of his ability. That's why it is so important that we that are parents 
We operate in the capacity that God has called us to operate in because our children are watching. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. So Jonathan doesn't understand how you have all this oil with no power. (laughs) Jonathan doesn't understand how you have this anointing. God has called you. God has crowned you. God has kinged you. And you're running away from Philistines and Ammonites and Amalekites. And the only way that you won the battle, the one battle that you did win was because the spirit of God came upon you. But why is the spirit transferring? Watch this. Why are you only spiritual on Sundays, mama? Why does it appear that you only got the Holy Ghost when church is going on, daddy? But I never see you defeat enemies during the weekday. I see you powerful on Sunday, but I see you powerless on Monday. So there's a conflict because I see no consistency in your walk. So now Jonathan gets up and he operates by faith and defeats the Ammonites and the Philistines who his daddy should have beat. So imagine in his mind how he looks at his father. When he was able to walk by faith and God gave him victory. And you're supposed to be the king of the kingdom and not only the king of the kingdom, but the king of the house. But you're fearful. Everybody, every man that has children and you're involved. You're Superman. Y'all quiet. My kids think I can do anything. JJ thinks I jump higher than I'm, he's here. I don't want. I like this story. I jump higher than Michael Jordan, y'all, because I can hit the ceiling at home. Don't hate. I'm the fastest because I can beat everybody in the house in a race. Y'all quiet. I'm the smartest. Because I read faster than them. (laughs) So there's a perception of daddy being Superman. If nobody can do it, daddy can. So there's a disappointment here with Jonathan because Saul has shown his flaws. And when I thought my daddy should have been Superman, he failed me. And now this 17-year-old boy comes on the scene with a slingshot and does more with a slingshot than my daddy did with all those weapons. Y'all quiet. We still at verses one through three. So how does Jonathan feel concerning his father? We see. When David had finished speaking with Saul, Jonathan committed himself to who? He didn't commit himself to his daddy any longer. He committed himself to someone that had like-minded faith. Yes, yes. Woo. Yes. If we don't show our children faith, someone else will show them faith. 
the problem is that faith may not be in God. Luckily, Jonathan or David connected himself or Jonathan connected himself with someone that was committed to God. But because his father wasn't committed, he had to look for someone that was committed. And he fell in love with another person that was committed and had the same liked faith. Y'all with me today? And loved him as much as he loved himself. Now watch this. Saul kept David with him from that day on and did not let him return to his father's house. Watch this. When you are insecure, you try to hold people from operating in the fullness of their ability. So what does he do? He puts him in a position where he can't operate in his gifts completely. Watch this. Nor can he connect with anyone else. Mm, Help me, God. So what does someone like Saul do? What does a person that is toxic do? Is they try to keep you to yourself, to themselves, and they try to disconnect any other relationship that you have that they have no involvement in. Oh, I got to leave this alone. Y'all ain't here at church today. So what I do is I destroy your friendships with other people. And my job is to make you only committed to me. Because I'm insecure of your influence and the power that God has put in you. We're going to go somewhere with that in a minute. So Saul tries to keep David from his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as much as himself. Watch this. Then Jonathan removed the robe he was wearing and gave it to David. Along with his military tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Y'all with me? Mm -hmm. What did he do? He took off his clothes, his military tunic, his sword, his what? And his, uh uh-huh. Won't you think about that? He loves Jonathan. He loves David. And he gives David his sword, his bow. And his military garment. Watch this. And he is the potential next king. Can I go a step further? Y'all wear the work today. I'll holler in a minute. I'll holler in a minute. Do y'all remember on Wednesday night or whenever y'all read the story of David and Goliath? How when David was getting ready to fight Goliath, Saul tried to put his clothes on David. And what did David say to Saul? I cannot fight in these because these things have not been proven. But yet he'll take Jonathan's clothes. Oh, y'all quiet. <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all missing it. He, 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 he'll, he'll, he'll take Jonathan's clothes, but he won't take Saul's clothes. Why will you take the son's clothes, but you won't take the daddy's clothes? Why? Because the son's garments have been proven. Jonathan has fought Ammonites. Jonathan has fought Philistines. Jonathan has been through battles. Jonathan has proven to trust God. So I can connect with him because faith recognizes faith. Y'all quiet. Uh The reason why we can't connect with certain people is because we can't connect with their faith. Uh you, You haven't shown me that you can pray under pressure. You haven't shown me that you can preach under pressure. 
You haven't shown me that you can love under pressure. But I connect to people that have been through things and I can trust them when they give me advice because they have been proven. So he's able to put on the son's clothes because the son has proven that I'm willing and I'm able to walk by faith. But he can't put on Saul's clothes because Saul has never proven anything with his garments. Faith recognizes faith. And you looking familiar. (laughs) So I look at your neighbor and say, you looking familiar. Uh Your faith, your faith, your faith is what connects me with you. Now watch this. David marched out with the army and was successful in everything Saul sent him to do. Saul put him in command of the soldiers, which pleased all the people and Saul's servants as well. Y'all got time? Mm -hmm. This was actually a demotion. (laughs) He demoted David to go on the front line to be killed. David was in the house. David was playing harps. David was over the staff. But when Saul recognized the favor on David, he put him on the front line to be killed. He tries to demote him, but God is on him. (laughs) Y'all quiet. Can I go a step further? Can I go a step further real quick? David could not die. Hmm. Nor could David ever be defeated. Two reasons. And I know I'm talking slow today. Two reasons. One, Genesis 49. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. What tribe is David from? Uh huh. The seed shall come from the branch of Jesse. Who's Jesse's son? Scripture had to be fulfilled. Number two, Samuel, as long as you live, there will be peace in Israel. Samuel is nowhere to be found anymore in this book. But God's word still stands true even when we don't hear about Samuel. (laughs) Even in my inactivity, God's word still stands to be true. Even when you don't hear about me, you don't see me. God's word still stands. So every time David fought a Philistine, he was fulfilling the word that God had already promised. Which means that as long as you are doing the work of God, you cannot be defeated. You're only defeated when you stop doing the works of the Lord. Y'all with me? So David marched out with the army and was successful in everything Saul sent him to do. Saul put him in command of the soldiers, which pleased all people and Saul's servants as well. Next verse. As the troops were coming back, when David was returning, this is my favorite part, from killing who? The women came out from all the cities of Israel to meet who? Singing and dancing with tambourines, with shouts of joy, and with three string uh, instruments. And as they celebrated, the women sang, Saul has killed his thousands, comma. During this time, I'm going to throw this in just, just, for, just, just for some nuggets here. 
during this time, whenever the people would go, the men would go out to war, whenever they would return to the city, the women and the children would meet them, greeting them with dances. Amen. Mm. Amen. And they would celebrate. Praise the Lord. Praise God. You have brought my husband back from war. They jammed. Right? There's another scripture we're going to read about when we get to 2 Samuel in a couple months. Where David brings the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. Y'all with me? And when he brings the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel, the Bible says that the women start dancing. Because there was victory. They're shouting, they're singing, they're doing the same thing they're doing for Saul. And David recognizes that no one's dancing for God. Hmm. So what does David do? He jumps out with the women and dances out of, he doesn't dance naked. I know folks try to interpret that text. That's not what that means. He dances to where his praise becomes undignified. Meaning he dances out of his kingly garments. Yes, amen. He dances till his crown falls off. Mm-hmm. He gives God glory with everything that is within him because while you're celebrating me, I recognize who ultimately we need to celebrate. Yes, sir. Mm. Yes, sir. David is actually breaking his ego so he doesn't get caught up into thinking that the battle was ever about him. So before he allows people to dance for him, he dances for God. Y'all with me? The problem in that text, however, is that all of the women are dancing, but his wife is looking from the window. How are all these women dancing for your husband? And you ain't even celebrating the victory for him. (laughs) And the Bible says that the Lord closed her womb that day. And she could not have children. Because she didn't know how to celebrate her husband when God had not only given him victory, but had given her victory as well. Because if David would have lost that battle, those enemies would have took her. That's it. Amen. So David did not only get his own life spared, but David spared her life. And if you're supposed to give anybody praise, you better give praise to the person that spared your life. But what this shows us here is that whenever God gives us victory, there should always be a praise. I know we don't emphasize dancing and shouting in here, but I want to make sure that we double emphasize that for every victory, that for every battle won, that whenever God brings you out of something, it is a mandate that you open your mouth and say, God has slain the thousands and the ten thousands and give him all of the glory. So David or the women are dancing. And this is where I want to work today. The women are have their tambourines. They're singing. They're shouting for joy. They got their three-string instruments. They jamming, and Saul is excited. And I can imagine the song is sounding good in that first verse. Yes, yes. Saul, say his thousands. Saul, say his thousands. And Saul's jamming. Yeah, I did. Hey, and then the beat drop. But David dropped ten thousand. Hey! (laughs) The song was good till the beat dropped. (laughs) This is the question.
question I had though. <laughs> Y'all was Jan Carroll was like, that was like, we gonna sing this next Sunday. So this thousand. <laughs> this is the question I have though. Saul, when they went to bring you forth to be king, where were you? You were hiding behind the wagons. Saul, when the Ammonites called us out, where were you? You were under the mulberry tree. Saul, when Goliath called everybody out for 40 days straight, where were you? Trying to put your garments on David. So the question is, is your song a lie? There's no lie in the song. The problem is, is you're focusing on the wrong verse. We have to learn how to be content with where God has placed us. The problem is, is we're scrolling on other people's pages. Not celebrating the victory on our own page. Y'all quiet. We have something I call the case of the ERs. If I can only be bigger. If I can only be richer. If I can only be successfuler. (laughs) That ain't a word. (laughs) I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. Wish I had a rabbit and a hat in the back, 6'4", and Pauler. Y'all like, what is that? That's Skilo, 1995. I wish I was a little bit taller. It's a hip-hop song. We have a case of the ERs where we're constantly trying to chase to get more than where God has us. And what happens is when you get so full of jealousy over someone else's testimony, it makes you lose focus on the victory that God gives you and it eats you up. Y'all quiet. David has slain 10,000, but Saul, let's just celebrate for a moment that God has given you victory over thousands. Right, that's right. Y'all right. Yes, they got four bedrooms, but thank God for your three. Yes, sir. Yes, they make six figures, but thank God for your five. That yes, they go here, but thank God you can go to Philly. Amen. We get so caught up on somebody else's verse of the song that we don't know how to celebrate the fact that we're still in the song. (laughs) So David is now sitting here, or Saul is sitting here, focused on the second verse, forgetting that the whole first verse was all about him. I wish I could holiday. I ain't got it in me today. Too many times, God has given us amazing testimonies but we're constantly comparing them to someone else's. Too many times God has blessed us and too many times we're in comparison to what God has done for someone else. But can I help you? You don't know what someone has been through to get that testimony. Yeah, that's right. Amen. 
And if you had to go through what they had to go through to get it, you wouldn't desire it. I wish I had somebody that could help me in here. You, yeah, 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 yeah. They look successful, but if you knew how many hours they put in to get the success, you wouldn't be jealous of it. That's it. That's it. You talk. You look at the end result, but you don't study the sacrifice. And too many times we want the end result of people's lives, but we don't want to put the work in that they put in to get the results. You're preaching right. So you're jealous of David, but David fought a giant you were afraid of. Saul, you're jealous of David, but you sent him on the front line to defeat a Philistine and he got the victory. Yes, you're preaching. Amen. Yes, sir. So you're sitting here comparing and getting jealous and getting ate up over something that you never would be willing to put the work in to do to get to that level of success yourself. Hmm. And if we think about it for a moment, all of us have had a little spirit of Saul in us. Yes. Amen. Y'all going to be quiet. I'm going to tell the truth. Amen. I'm, I'm going to tell the truth. I'm, I'm going to tell the truth. Every once in a while, you looked and you said, I should have that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm just as deserving as they are. That's right. Oh, I ain't going to tap that one because I should be there. Yeah. Y'all quiet. And you have to kill that noise by reflecting back on where you are right now is further than where you should have ever been. Yes, sir. Amen. That's right. So they start celebrating and the women saying Saul has killed his thousands, but David, what? His tens of thousands. Watch this. Saul was furious and resented. Watch this. The whole entire song. I don't even want the first verse. <laughs> Throw the whole song away. Because that second verse is better. But my question is, where was the lie? Where was the lie in the song? The lie in the song actually was that you killed thousands because you ain't done nothing. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> The Bible says that Saul sent David. The Bible never said Saul went. So you're getting a song that you shouldn't even be on the record. (laughs) If we actually recorded the song in complete truth, it would have been David slays thousands and ten thousands. Slay David. (laughs) (laughs) So you're jealous and you're mad over a song that you should have never even been on. Y'all with me? He was furious and resented the song. They credited the 10,000s to David. Like he don't even mention his part of the song. He complained. But they only credited me with thousands. What more could be, what more can he have but the kingdom? This is him talking. This is what jealousy does. Mm -hmm. Jealousy starts making you speculate. Mm -hmm. Even though there is some truth in here. Mm -hmm. But jealousy starts making you speculate. And the reason why there's so much conviction is because he knows he's wrong. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm. Guilt will do that when you know you're out of order. So Saul watched David with jealousy from that day forward. Watch this. This is where I want to work. The next day, an evil spirit sent from God took control of Saul. Stop there. Because that sounds like God is playing games, don't it? God sent an evil spirit or an evil spirit came from God. 
and took control of Saul. Can I help you there? If you want to look at that in a literal translation, God did not take a spirit and put it inside of Saul and say, hey, 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 let's watch this. God, God does not tempt you. You know what God did? Y'all remember Job? What did Satan say to God about Job? You have a hedge about him, but if you take the hedge off of him, he'll curse you to your face. All God did was take the hedge off of Saul and reveal to Saul who he already was without God. Amen. Mm. So when it says an evil spirit came from God, no, the evil spirit, God did not put a spirit on him. God says, you know what? Let me just take my grace off of you. And if I take my grace off of you, it'll reveal to you who you really are. Help me, Jesus. That's why we need to ask for God's grace every day. Because if we mess around and God does takes his grace off of us, we'll end up with an evil spirit too. But it's the grace of God that covers and protects us. It keeps your attitude right. It adjusts your attitude. It adjusts your spirit. It tells you when you're wrong. It corrects you when you're wrong. It gives you all types of convictions. But the moment that thing comes off of you, you begin to become revealed to yourself of who you really are. And then you get the spirit of Saul on you where the jealousy just eats you up. So all God did was he took the fence off from around him. And when he took the fence of God to fence off from around him, the enemy went for blood. Beware. For the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And who is he looking for? He's looking for somebody that doesn't have the edge on him, the hedge on him. He's looking for you to get so caught up in yourself that you no longer depend on God mm-hmm. and you're all about yourself. Yeah. And he says, gotcha. Yes, yes. Now quiet. So the Bible says that when a de- the devil is cast out, he goes into a dry place. Yes. But he's, if he's ever able to return, he comes how about how? With seven, With seven more. Yes. Mm. My God. So we got to pray for God's blood to continuously cover us. This ain't a game, y'all. This, this, this ain't a game, y'all. My, my life depends on his grace. My life depends on his blood. My life depends on his love. And, and if, if I don't have God on my side, I'm in a mess that will torture and jack me up for the rest of my life. And that's why David said, you can have the kingdom. You can have have the gold, you can have all of that, but God, don't take your spirit away from me, because God, if that spirit leaves me, I'll be just like Saul. Whatever you do, don't take your spirit away from me. David is witnessing this, and by witnessing this, he knows this is something I don't never want. David is saying, I ain't perfect. I'm flawed, I'm jacked up. But I'm going to repent every time I catch myself before I get to a point to where my heart is so hard and I can't repent. So the next day, an evil spirit sent from God took control of Saul and he began to rave inside the palace. Watch this. David was what? Playing the liar as usual. Watch this. David has just killed tens of thousands. David has just defeated Goliath. But yet David does not get so arrogant that he doesn't go back to his original job. Mm -hmm. Still the musician in the house. And initially he was bought in 
to bring the spirit down on Saul. But now that the hedge has been taken off of Saul, not even music can save him. So David was playing the liar as usual, but Saul was holding a spear and through it thinking, I'll pin David to the wall. Y'all got time for just a minute? Mm -hmm. I told you one of the reasons why he didn't allow him to leave the house was because he wanted to control him. But he recognized that even in the house, David still was successful. When you are gifted, it can't be tied down. So what does Saul do? He gets a javelin to pin him down so that he can't operate at all. Watch this. He's so insecure. Rather than allowing him to continue to destroy tens of thousands, I'd rather pin him down so nobody wins. He's so jealous that he'd rather David not defeat the enemies for him. That's bad. Let me help y'all. If somebody in here can has a gift of evangelism that'll draw 10,000 people, I ain't stopping you. If you got the voice of an angel and it requires you to leave these four walls to go minister, I ain't stopping you. If you can preach the walls down and it is transforming lives, you ain't just preaching the walls down because that's charisma. A lot of us can do that. Some of us got personality. You can, you can, you can fool folks with the preaching. But you can preach a hard, convicted word like Billy Graham. And thousands of people will come to the altar and give their life to the Lord. I can't, I can't hold you down. But an insecure person. Insecure leadership. Is so afraid that someone will get ahead of them and have a better name than them rather than advancing the kingdom that they'll pin you down and nothing will be accomplished before they allow you to do what God has called you to do so that the kingdom can be advanced and it can be accomplished. Y'all quiet. No, so no, you can't operate. No, you can't sing. No, you can't minister. No, you can't preach. No, it's all about me, 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 me. And I'm going to tie you down because I want it to be about me because I'm afraid you'll get too much glory. (sighs) This is what Saul is attempting to do to David. I'm sorry, (laughs) y'all. But David got away from him twice. Now watch this. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had left Saul. Once again, the spirit of fear has, uh oh, the spirit of fear. Is he asleep? (laughs) He just went head first. (laughs) Two year olds, man. The spirit of fear has left or has entered into Saul because once God takes his, his hedge off of you, you don't have the spirit of God. If you don't have the spirit of God, you have the spirit of fear. What I love here is that Saul is the king, but he's afraid of David. And nowhere in this text, we're going to read about three times where it's going to say that Saul was afraid of David. Nowhere in this text are we going to ever read that David was afraid of Saul. Saul is throwing spears at David and David ain't scared. 
Saul is trying to kill David and David ain't scared. Saul is trying to destroy his reputation and David ain't scared. Because David is secure and what God has called him to be. And he ain't afraid of nothing. It's the people that are insecure that are afraid of you. Therefore, Saul reassigned David and made him commander over a thousand men. Look at this. <laughs> David has slain how many? Now he got another demotion. Now he's only over a thousand. David led the troops and continued to be successful in all his activities because the Lord was with him. I mean, I, I wish I was in a Pentecostal church right now because that's right there. That's when you shout. Look at your neighbor and say, name. The the Lord is on your side. You. Y'all want that, don't (laughs) y'all? I saw y'all. All All right. (laughs) When Saul observed that David was very successful, he dreaded him. Watch this. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he was leading the troops. He did not just tell people what to do, but he was leading by example. Nowhere have we seen that Saul is leading because everything is about Saul. He's a king, but he's not a leader. So there's respect here. Next verse. Saul told David, here is my oldest daughter, Mirab. I'll give her to you as a wife if you will be a warrior for me and fight the Lord's battle. Let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. Let's stop right there for just a couple moments. Um, David had was, was carrying cheese and bread for his brothers, right? And when he was carrying cheese and bread for his brothers, uh, the people came up to him and they said, if you defeat Goliath, um, Saul will do what? I can't hear y'all. Give him his daughter. And what else? And riches. And one more thing. And your whole household will never have to pay taxes. Right? So, Mirab should have already been his wife. <laughs> he already defeated Goliath. Mirab should have already been his wife. So, why ain't Mirab the wife already? Somebody is lying. Here is my oldest daughter, Mirab. I'll give her to you as a wife if you will be a warrior for me and fight who? The Lord's battles. But Saul was thinking my hand doesn't need to be against him. Let the hand of the Philistines be against them. This is your own people and you want to see the enemy destroy him. And not only that, but you have more faith in the Philistines than you have in your own people. Y'all, y'all miss You have more faith in the Philistines defeating David than David defeating the Philistines, which tells you how you feel about David. Next verse. Then David responded, who am I? And what is my family or my father's clan in Israel that I should become the king's son-in-law? Like he's honored. What are we there? Uh, Saul ordered his servants to speak. I'm sorry. uh, 19th verse. Who am I? That is, that is my father or my father's clan in Israel that I should become the king's son-in-law. Then it was time to give Saul's daughter Merab to David. Watch this. And she was given to Adriel, the Mahethalite, as a wife. So now you done lied again. Now, I'm a, I, I ain't going to go there, but David 
ends up getting Merab. I don't know if y'all remember this in 2 Samuel. And we're going to find out that Adriel is a little weak. David going to get what's his. We, this next year, 2 second, second Samuel. And the Bible says that Adriel, when David took her, Adriel was running behind her crying. Yes, yes. David going to get his wife. But that's another story. Now Saul's daughter, Michael, loved David. When it was reported, reported to Saul, it pleased him. I'll give her to him, Saul thought. She'll be a trap for him. What do you think about your daughter? Y'all hear this? This is a dad talking about his daughter. Oh, I'll give her away. She'll be a trap. She'll take his focus off of God. How have you raised her? That she'll be that kind of girl that's going to take, take, take him away from God. Y'all, y'all, it's kind of slow today. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'll speed up next time. And the hand of the Philistines will be against him. He'll be so caught up in my daughter that she'll be a trap for him. And just like Samson, the Philistines will take over. So Saul said to David a second time, you can now be my son-in-law. Watch this. Then Saul ordered his servants, speak to David in private and tell him, look, the king is pleased with you and all his servants. Therefore, you shall become the king's son-in-law. Saul's servants reported these words directly to David. But he replied, it is trivial in your sight to become the king's son-in-law. I am a poor man who is common. The servants reported back to Saul. These are the words David spoke. Then Saul replied, say this to David. The king desires no other bride price. You still putting prices on your daughters. Now, you already didn't give me the first one. Now I got to fight again for the second one. Now, I'm going to show you how cool David is. The king desires to, uh, to no, no, uh, I'm sorry, no other bride price except 100 Philistine foreskins, Jesus, to take revenge on his enemies. Actually, comma, Saul intended to cause David's death at the hands of the Philistines. He just keeps trying to get these Philistines to kill David. Watch this. Next verse. When the servants reported these terms to David, he was pleased. <laughs> He's like, it's easy to become the king's son-in-law. Before the wedding day arrived, watch this, David and his men went out and killed how many? Hold on, what did Saul ask for? So he said, I'm going to make sure this time I get this girl, I'm going to kill 200 of them and circumcise all 200 of them. He doubles his request. He brought their foreskins and presented them as full payment to the king to become his son-in-law. Then Saul gave his daughter Michael to David as his wife. Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter Michael loved him. He thought that she was just, you know, I ain't going to go there. He thought she was just trapping. But he recognized that this is a girl who actually loves this guy. And he became even more afraid of David. As a result, Saul was David's enemy from then on. Never says that David was Saul's enemy. Saul makes David his enemy. Watch this for being successful. This sounds crazy, don't it? But what if I told you that this happens every day in corporate America? (laughs) I like how y'all was like, yeah, I know that's right. (laughs) Can I go a step further? What if I told you this happens in church? Amen. 
that there's spiritual gifts in church. Leadership recognizes it and is so jealous of what God is doing in a person that they rather spear them to a wall than operate in their calling. So you got a bunch of folks speared to walls in churches and the church is all about the pastor. And then they scream and why ain't we growing? Do y'all know how powerful it is? And this is this has been Hope Haven's mission from the beginning, when everybody operates in the fullness of their gift. There's no jealousy. Not only you know why it's no jealousy, because I'm so busy operating in my gift, I don't know what's going on in your lane. So what happens is now that we're all pinned. All we see is each other. And rather than us recognize that we're being pinned by leadership, we start fighting amongst each other. And we start killing each other on the wall. Now we got a crabs in a barrel mentality in church. Who's next? Who's going to be the best preacher? Who's going to be the best this? Who's going to be the leader of this board? Who's going to do this? And now you got a whole bunch of conflict because everybody's just trying to operate in their passion. I don't want to preach this today. Everybody's trying to operate in their passion, but we're so afraid that somebody will get more glory than us that will pin them to a wall before we let them activate what God has called them to do. Any effective church has multiple hands. Amen. Amen. Mm. Y'all go back to the original church. There was more than one apostle. Amen. There were many elders. There were 12 deacons. Amen. <laughs> and the deacons didn't just count the offering. That's right. The deacons preached the word. Amen. Like last Sunday. <laughs> That's called operating in the fullness of ministry. Amen. And the apostles didn't kill the deacons for furthering the gospel. Amen. If anything, when Paul came into a city and a church was not growing, he rebuked them. And he celebrated the churches that operated effectively for them working in unity. The Bible says that we are many members. We're not all heads. We're not all feet. Or else we're a deformed church. Y'all with me? As a result, David, I'm sorry, Saul was David's enemy from then on. Every time the Philistine commanders came out to fight, David was more successful than all Saul's officers. So his name became well known. When you are anointed to do something, you can't help the success that comes behind it. David was doing nothing else but being himself. (laughs) He was doing nothing else than what God has equipped and called him to do and called him to do. 
So how can we hold back something that somebody is just naturally and gifted and called to do? I can't be jealous. There are senior pastors, and I'm, I'm closing here. There are senior pastors that recognize that they have greater preachers in their churches. And they sit back and allow those people to reach the people with their effective gift of preaching and still can operate with security as being the senior pastor. We have given the churches these defined roles that are not biblical. And we've created one-headed monsters. My goal, and I say this and I've been saying it from the beginning, is to see all of you, and I promise you this, I have no jealousy in my heart in regards to this. I, I promise you, I'm in front of the church so y'all know I ain't lying, is to see every single one of y'all go forth and what God has called you to do with no animosity or jealousy from this end. And if it requires you, like Carrie did two weeks ago, to leave the four walls and minister somewhere else, she has my blessings. As long as you guys are doing it with integrity and you're doing it with love and honor and respect and you represent this ministry and you're representing us well, I have no issue. Give me these three points. Number one, stay on your assignment. David had javelins thrown at him. But got up and went back to work. That's hard. I know. Y'all like, nah, I'm out. You might not have had actual javels thrown at you, but you've had the javel of the tongue thrown at you. (laughs) The sword is is, is sharper than what? (laughs) Uh huh. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. So that tongue can kill you. And some folks have said some things towards you and about you that could have killed you. And if it didn't kill you, it could have killed your reputation. It could have killed your relationship with people. But you got back up. Stay on your assignment. Lord knows I didn't have some tongue lash in the last two years. But you know what? I get back up and I come here every Sunday. And they can throw their javels, but because I'm doing what I was called to do, they'll always miss. (laughs) Number two, God makes hard things look easy. You go to Genesis 1, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. That just sounds so easy, don't it? But then when you break down the scientific uh, things that had to happen, in order for this earth to evolve, you begin to see the complications of how God made it look so easy. (laughs) When you got a sun that is millions of miles away and you can be one million miles away from it and burn up. What's the sun? Three miles? Three million miles? miles. Jesus, she know. I'm like three million. I'm like... But think about it. Y'all be complaining in the summer here, 925,000 miles away. It's hot. Because God makes things look easy. In the same way, when you're anointed, God enables you to operate in your gift to where it looks easy. So you get up here and you, you judge the worship team, but you don't 
recognize that not only is it the anointing of God that's on them, but it is also their rehearsing on Tuesday nights when nobody's here. So God enables things that look hard. I don't don't want to tell you what my my regimen usually consists of for a Sunday morning. It's at least 10 hours for this one hour on a Sunday. I'm sure Brother Brian felt it all. (laughs) I'm sure Royce felt it when he got up here. It's hours. Because I don't want to get up here and lie to y'all. And then it's on a podcast now. So if I say something crazy, then y'all sending it out. Jesus had four arms. Because the Bible said, and y'all like, nah. Somebody sending us all types of comments in there and the ministry is destroyed. So you always looking for credibility. Make sure your stuff is right so you ain't up here just making up stuff. But from the outside looking in, oh, I can do that. Number three, if you don't manage jealousy, it will eat you up. Amen. Jealousy is not of God. God is a jealous God. But he also tells us, and he's only a jealous God because he recognizes how great he is. He's not jealous of your stuff. Amen. He's not jealous of your car. He's not jealous of your house. He's jealous because he's like, how in the world are you, you worshiping a Dagon God? A, a little mermaid. And I speak things that are not as though they were. That's what makes him jealous. But he doesn't have a jealousy trait. The Bible tells us what? Thou shalt not covet. That means you shall not desire what belongs to someone else. And if you can, the reason why we're coveting is because we haven't learned how to be satisfied where we are. Ask God to help you with your contentment on where you are. And when you start working in your lane and operating what God has called you to do in your circle, you ain't worrying about nobody else. Honestly, I'm too busy and I'm too exhausted with Hope Haven to be jealous of the church up the street. And can I help you? And if I found out the church up the street is jealous of us, I'm flattered. Because if you only knew... I'm sure if, Cant- if Carol found out somebody jealous of the canteen, she'd be like, wow. If you only knew when these doors close, what I'm going through when the lights cut out and I'm counting that register. <laughs> but she'll be so caught up at her beautiful pictures of her website and the beautiful pictures of Darnell and support that they're putting up for their business that you're being jealous. But if you only knew. That's what I'm saying. God makes things when you're anointed to do things look easy, but it's never easy. All of us can tell you it's it's hard work, whatever God has gifted you to do. I want to close here, y'all. You have a word of prayer and then um, serve communion and get out of here. Uh, but uh, this was really like a Bible study lesson today. I'm sorry. I didn't have a hardcore ha to it. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I, I just pray this week. This is my prayer for this week and for this year that we all operate in our callings and gifts. All right. Um, Those of y'all that have worked with me so far in the last two years, I don't say no too often. Especially when it comes to loving and nurturing and ministry, ministering. Not too often do I say no. Now, you ask for $10,000 to go do something, I'm going to say no. But (laughs) we ain't just sitting around with $10,000. But for the most part, whenever it comes to loving, caring, 
toys for tots, anything of that sort, going out, praying, handing out water bottle. You will never, most likely, unless we're busy or God is really speaking, you ain't going to get too many no's from me because I believe that everybody should operate in their gifts. And my prayer that if you don't know your purpose, that God just begins to evolve you into understanding what he has called you to do. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word on today, God. Uh, a lot of valuable lessons in this chapter. Um, but God, I, I pray, God, that you teach us, God, how to remain on our assignment, uh, to keep the course, uh, to trust you, uh, God, and to help us remove any spirit of jealousy. God, allow us to become content in what you've called us to be and where you've called us to be in our life, God. Allow us to operate at maximum capacity. God, stretch us so that we can do everything that you have assigned and called us to do. God, don't allow us to become lazy. Don't allow us, God, to fall back. Don't allow us to quit. I rebuke that spirit of quitting right now in the name of Jesus. God, regardless of how hard it is, no matter how tough it is, God, we are trusting that you're going to bring us out and bring us out with great success because we know what you have called us to do. Touch this church, touch this ministry, God. Touch Sister Nancy right now in the name of Jesus, God. We pray right now, God, just for healing over her body, God. And God, we thank you for everything that you've done and everything that you're doing. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.